We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Zen Nicotine Pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zen.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. What's up, guys? Andrew here once again with yet another quick programming note. The episode you are listening to is part three, and not the final part, just part three of our special Cap or No Cap 6.0 draft season. We're talking all about what the Knicks can do with the 11th pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, In the first two parts, John and Jeremy laid the groundwork for the history of the Knicks uh, draft, at least under this regime with Walt Perrin and Brock. Galler and obviously Leon Rose. Um, I guess I should throw in um, the other guy, Scott Perry, <laughs> that was here beforehand, but at least over the past two drafts, um, John and Jeremy laid out the types of players the Knicks look for, the type of stats they might use to evaluate said talent, Walt Perrin's history of centers, and if the Knicks are looking at a center and what that might entail, especially on a team coached by Tom Thibodeau. And then they looked at the last 22 years since 2001. I guess it's 21 years, but we're including 2001. So I'm going to say 22 years. I'm leaving all of this in. Um, <laughs> all the past 22 years of trading into the top five, because there are so many mock Nick trades out there, especially coming from Nick's Twitter of the Knicks trading into the top five. And it's, you know, my pocket lint and 11 for, you know, the number three pick. Um, and John and Jeremy gave you the history of what it looks like to trade into the top five, how often and how common it is, and what it might take for the Knicks to trade into the top five before you get here to part three, where they start their quest from going through every team in the draft. So from three to 14 is what you're going to hear in part three. And obviously in part four, they'll finish out the rest of the draft with the the playoff teams. But here in part three, you're going to get... A breakdown of every single team. The timestamps are in the episode description, both on YouTube and here in the podcast, um, where you get to hear them talk about what it would take to trade and whether it's even possible for them to trade with every team in the lottery. That's the Kings, a very popular one. The Bledsoe conversation, the biggest disagreement John and Jeremy have of 
Eric Bledsoe and Randall for seven and or Eric Bledsoe for Randall as well as 11 for seven. Um, it's a good conversation. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, if you're listening to this and have an episode, listen to episodes part one and two, please go back and do that. But if you're right on schedule, here is part three cap or no cap 6.0 draft season. Enjoy. So let's uh, let's now get to the point where we're going to look at trading up, trading down, trading out, trading for a star, staying put. But I wanted to, in the meantime, look at all of these teams and their picks that correspond uh, the payrolls, because you know, like you can't necessarily trade certain players on draft night, but you can trade others. So by having it in front of us and looking at money, we can kind of consider matching who can go, who doesn't, what works. So you had mentioned to me that you wanted to talk about the Kings pick in particular. Only because of the report that came out this week from, uh, I believe it was Jake Fisher, who basically said that many people around the league are uh, openly speculating that the Kings, uh, because their owner has made a not so subtle uh, mandate, to make the playoffs uh, post haste that they will trade this pick for a veteran player who can help them win basketball games uh, right now. And the thing that I find interesting, and I, this goes for another team that may also be in, in the business of trading their pick. Um, I, I don't know how many players around the league are of the caliber that the Kings would would both be able to get them for the number four pick and also are good enough that they would consider trading the number four pick. And that has to do with a variety of factors, like a lot of teams are trying to win right now. Um, the fact that like you look at your teams that are not very good around the league, which are typically where you might see a, a trade between a player and a a, a or, or a trade of a good pick for a, a very good player. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't see a whole lot of obvious candidates. And then you're the next sitting here with Julius Randle. Anyway, that was kind of where that thought process came from. Yeah. You know, it's tough for us to maybe put ourselves in the Kings front office's shoes. <laughs> yes. But if I want to win now, but I also want to use this piece that I was gifted by moving up. Um, I'm going to want to use it on something that I think is really going to propel me moving forward. You would think like, so. Yes. Yeah. And again, you could, <laughs> you could like, we could say, Oh, it's the, it's the Kings, but then yeah. also how many other fans when they say, Oh, it's the Knicks. Do yeah. we then get defensive? Because it feels like a new, new era, all these different things. And I'm sure Kings fans would feel exactly the same way. Um, and I think that's the difficulty where it's like, the last time, uh, let's put it this way, when the Knicks had um, the third pick, right? Like, we know what the rest of the draft was. Yeah, there was the idea of Darius Garland. And I'm sure some fans would have happily signed up for trading to five, nabbing Garland, and maybe a future first or whatever it is. I, I, I hear you. But then if it's like, well, what if it were the seventh pick, or the eighth pick, the tenth pick, right? Like, we're getting to a territory where, again, the quality of the asset means more than the quantity. 
And, you know, like I look at a team like Detroit that's right behind them. And if they're looking to move, I'm this pure speculation, right? But like, let's say the Kings see Jeremy Grant as a really great option and they want to move someone like Harrison Barnes. And maybe it's a pick swap instead of just trading the pick completely. And the Pistons can get Ivy and uh, the Kings feel like they're getting a better player and they're only moving down one spot. And then, you know, like, what if that sort of thing happens? Or if you're the Wizards and Bradley Beal opts into his player option and you say, you know what? It's just time for a change. And then the Kings decide to trade the pick for Bradley Beal. Maybe they don't feel super great about Beal potentially leaving. Maybe it's an extended trade and they can just lock him under contract for an additional three plus years. Um, maybe they're willing to trade the fourth pick. Maybe it's a pick swap, depending on what else is included. Like You look at it and you look at Julius, and I know that Julius has this ceiling that was all NBA, second team, but it's just like, I know we've talked about how like we view our players negatively. Every fan base views a player negatively or players yeah. period positively. It's, you know, maybe too high or too low, depending on what it is. There's a difference between viewing Julius Randall lower than we probably should. And him being an asset that the Kings feels worthwhile to go from four, which could net you into potential star, maybe even superstar, you know, caliber. Cause again, um, Things happen. The draft isn't written in chalk and the futures don't go from there um, to like the opposite effect. It's a far drop. It's really far. And there are just other teams that are ahead of the Knicks with better talent or more picks or things that are they're more comfortable giving up that make sense for the Kings to go. If it is trading out, it's for a star or a really good player. Again, like the Jeremy Grant and Julius Randle thing, I think the conversations become unhinged because I don't even think Grant is a is that much better if he is at all than Julius, but yeah, going from four to different five, players. Right, yeah. going from four to five versus four to 11 and you get one player versus the other. Like it's a no brainer. The Pistons deal would be a far better type of situation. To be clear, if the Kings, I mean, unless like I said, I intimated before, um, unless the Knicks like threw in like a future unprotected first, you know, um, something that basically the Kings could be like, all right, we're trading for, but we're getting, something that might be the equivalent of four, you know, at some later point in time for us to either use or use in a trade or whatever. Barring that, if they made a trade like this, uh, they're, whoever is in charge of making basketball decisions for them should be fired. Um, Cause it would, it would be, it would be insane. Um, because again, I'm not, and I'm not saying like maybe Julius Randle goes there and he has an, maybe he's even better than he was. In 2020, 21, maybe he's, he excels past that. Maybe he shoots 45% from deep, right? Uh, maybe he averages eight assists a game. Whatever version of Julius Randle is on the Kings next year, he's not going to make a difference between them being whatever they are now um, and like a conference finalist or even like a conference semifinalist. You know, and I don't care if you're projecting the best possible seasons from him, Fox, Sabonis, like that team is not, team is not winning anything important. So like if you are trading the fourth pick in the draft in a draft that is perceived to have, whether it's a clear top four, top five, whatever, like you should be getting something that could potentially like if things break, right. Like we're, you know, we, we could at least talk ourselves into. So I just want to be clear about that. And yeah, it is a little bit of me going like, well, it's the Kings. You never know. I, is that a good reason? No. Um, 
I just, if they are help, like they have an owner that like, I it may not be an entirely rational actor. That's like, that is really kind of the genesis of this, which I, the, again, the devil's advocate here. You're like, people used to say this about the Knicks. Well, guess what? For a lot of years, the Knicks fit the bill and they did a lot of stupid shit. So I, I don't know if Vivek is like, I, get like, make the playoffs next year or you're all fired. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't know what, what they would be tempted to do. And I, I don't know what, what other offers are out there, but I, I agree with you. It's, it's a very slim <laughs> chances. Something happens. Well, the implicit belief is that they have to make the playoffs because Monty McNair's contract is still, he's in his contract year. Yeah. So if he were extended, then it'd be a place where he's comfortable, but clearly he wants him to make the playoffs before. So his job will depend on it, which is, Pretty fascinating. Yes. Yeah. In terms of how he navigates, but also like, do you see a Travis Schlenk situation where you're building a high floor team because it buys you more time because he was in a year where if he didn't deliver, that it wasn't going to go very well. Travis Schlenk, GM of the Hawks. For anybody yes. who's not, yeah. Um, so yeah. And to, just to be clear, I did not include any of the three teams above the Kings, the, um, the Orlando Magic, the Oklahoma City Thunder, no. or the Houston Rockets, because it's just a waste of time. They're not going to trade. Like you'd have to do RJ Barrett type move, and the vast majority of people are not going to do that, and they probably shouldn't. Uh, I don't think they should. So, shall we move on to the next team? If you last real quick, yeah. Just I'm curious. Would you trade SGA for this pick? Uh, yeah, but I mean, if you're you would if you're the Thunder, you would trade SGA for the. Pick. You would, but here's well, that's the interesting thing, right? Like they have twelve, but are the Kings going to want it? Like, well, but if it's SGA, <sighs> sure. Wait, the Thunder have twelve and two? I forgot about that. It's the okay. uh, yeah, the Clippers pick. Oh yeah, that's right. Forgot about them. Yeah. Um. Maybe is it on the table though? I don't think it is. I don't think right. the Thunder are trading him. But I just I But here's the other here's the thing though. If you're the Thunder, why are you doing it when you already have the second pick overall? You can all you can already get whoever falls between Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. Do you need like yeah, it would help your path to Victor Wambayanma. I'm I'm sorry I butchered his last name. I um, I I would not even attempt I would not have attempted. So kudos to you for trying. Uh, yes. Uh it certainly helps a little bit more, but it could be for the Thunder that they're cool with the idea of tanking for another year with another pseudo SGA injury, maybe some other guys. And then they try to get a great pick in that draft. And then from that year, it's like, boom, let's go. Let's make our push. We, we served our time. We're ready to kind of come from the depths of despair. If they traded SGA and prioritize this pick, it would just kind of be like, well, okay, so how long are they going to be tanking for? You know, you Even know, this, they've only tanked for two years, but I know just, you know what the, the Michael Corleone move here would be. We'll okay. give you, We'll give you SGA um, and 12, but we want an unprotected pick in 2028. I guess. Yeah. Be playing the long game. Sure. <laughs> I'm just fucking around. Okay. Let's go. Uh, number five. Pistons. Detroit. Yep. Um, I don't even know what, what the Knicks would I really... There, there really aren't any bad contracts. They've got mostly no. young players. It's just not a fit. No, not the, the, not happening. No. Uh, number six, the Pacers. It's it's Mal it's Malcolm Brogdon. That's the only guy that 
you could talk about, but I, I still don't know if they view him negatively, even though he has plenty of warts. It's a sort of thing where if you're the Knicks, what are you including? Obviously, it starts at 11, but you're moving up. The closest we have of going from 6 to 11 is uh, in recent years was when Dario Saric was included with the um, with the sixth pick to go for the 11th pick. I'm sorry, but it was included with the 11th pick to go for the sixth pick. Um, he went to the Phoenix Suns. It's 11 to 6. Like, what are we talking about the Knicks? I wonder if about a third year player who's entering a contract year, it's Cam Reddish or it's RJ Barrett. Obviously it's not going to be RJ Barrett. How much value does Cam Reddish have? I mean, he's certainly lower in value than uh Sharch was when he was traded. Yeah. Are you throwing in another first? Are we talking about protected or unprotected? Because Wait, so you're hold on. You're trading you're doing a swap of six and eleven with Brockham Brogdon coming back to the No, no, no. I'm just I'm let me separate the two. Number one. Yeah, okay. Brogdon, I think, is his own. That's his situation. own thing. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with draft pick. Yeah. The other one is if you were doing six for 11 and something else, but I don't really know what, like, is it 11 and Grimes and a protected first round pick? Like, is it, it's harder to grasp because, again, like, maybe Grimes isn't as good of a player potentially that Cam could be, but you then throw another pick in there, but how valuable is the pick and what are you doing with that? And if you're the Pacers, are you more interested in just staying at six? Or if you are interested in trading down, why wouldn't you then maybe talk to the Spurs who can get you to um, the ninth pick and they have two other firsts in the draft. Like they're more tangible things that they could use at their advantage. I don't think what the Knicks have is going to be the best case for them. Because it, it, the one thing I'll just throw out here is uh, Dyson Daniels is obviously, obviously shooting up the draft boards. Yeah. To me, he feels like such a natural spur based on what they like, based on the fact that they have too many picks. They have a lot of roster spots, um, all these sort of things. So like, you're you're thinking the Spurs make the trade up. I, that sort of thing. Yeah. To Not me, spots. Uh, players taking up those roster spots. This would. This would be like. It's tough because if if Sharp if Ivy and Sharp are both gone by six, I don't think the Knicks really care about trading up to, to this position. Let's just say for argument's sake, Sharp was on the board and the Knicks were like, this guy is the next, this guy's the second coming. Like I feel like it would cost eleven quickly and um New York's top 10 protected pick next year that if it lands in the top 10 uh, Indiana instead gets the Dallas pick and the best of New York's 2023 like it's four first four, four second rounders that they own I mean it's it's probably moot anyway but like I would say quick right now value wise you got a whole other year of team control, the the promise that he has shown. I'm I'm just saying that if if I was the, I mean if Indiana probably asked for RJ, which the Knicks I no. would imagine would say no, and and who knows, maybe the second quickly his name gets brought up, maybe they hang up the phone too. I have no idea. No, but I'm saying I I don't think you need to then include the other first in this case because it's like if we're using past precedence as a part example, like if think- but if Sharp is there, 
And like the Knicks are clearly trading up for Sharp. But it's I hear you, but it's irrelevant yeah. from the Pacers standpoint of who the Knicks are trading up for because it's not like at the time the Suns were like, well, we know you're taking Jarrett Culver, Minnesota. So you yeah. have to like No, that was a more. unique that was, was a unique situation. Right. But like this is they're all unique situations. Like Shade and Sharp not playing in in school. Like it's not unique because other guys have been ruled ineligible like we talked yeah. about and it's freedom and the same situation similar situations but like it's not going to be hey you want this player we're going to hold him hostage it's more like give us the best offer and if we feel that the player we want is lesser in value than what you're willing to give up yeah then there it goes so but i I don't i I don't yeah i don't see it now uh next is the trailblazers obviously a very fascinating discussion um talked about the idea of Bledsoe and seven for Randall and 11. Is it fair to say ad nauseum at this point? Cause I feel like I think it is fair to say, I feel like it just all it's talked about a lot. And again, if you're the Knicks, it's still like trading, it's trading a starter for someone who's not even in a rotation to move up. Four I, this is our biggest point of disagreement this offseason. It's just not a good trade. And it's I want to be right so bad. Not because I want to be right, but because I want them to make the fucking trade. Sure. <laughs> like, how is it that we we go from like, oh, well, the Kings could potentially do four and, you know, for Randall and 11. These, and then it's like, well, clearly it's it's Bledsoe and equivalent value. Like the moving up the four spots is not worth moving Julius. And it, I, I again, I know that so many people are just sick of Julius and want him gone. It is it's just it's just such bad value to do that. And I, I get it. That could, you could take that, that thought and five, 10 years down the road, the seventh picture is into a star. The 11th pick no, is just not good. And you could throw it back and be like, see, they should have done it. And you know what? If that's the case, then no, so you, be it. But it's just, look, you might be right. And I don't think that they would do it. I don't, I want to be very clear about that. I don't think that they would do the trade. Um, I also don't, I just said, I don't think Sharp is going to last six. I sure, I really don't think he's going to last to seven. I, and the notion that they would trade away Julius Randle for a player that like does not have uh, star upside. And like, I don't, again, th- let me just be very clear about this. There will be someone taken between seven and 14 in this draft that turn, maybe multiple someone who turns out to be a star player, maybe even a superstar player. Depending on your definition of a superstar, um, like it's going to happen. But outside of of the top four and sharp, who again is just like is such an unknown because nobody's seen him against real competition. Like nobody else profile, even Keegan Murray, who as we just went through, like lapped the field of in terms of NCAA talent. Like there, there's a reason why he's going to be picked fifth or sixth or seventh or whatever because he's like he doesn't have. That perceived upside again, maybe it happens. Does not have that perceived upside. I would be shocked. Eh, I'd be very surprised if the Knicks made it made a trade like that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup, no dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending, whether it's producing this show, hosting my own show final review, preparing a proposal in Long Beach, doing my taxes, or whatever else. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar Yukon mash and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. 
They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 and use promo code filmschool120 and get $120 off. That's code filmschool120 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 for $120 off. Eighth, the New Orleans Pelicans. They are. Yeah, I mean, they're in an interesting situation because they are going to run into the tax, which they haven't paid before. Um, It's what they do with it. Like they're not going to be in the taxes year. It's it's moving forward with the Zion contracts and and all of that. But like you look at the big names, they're not trading McCollum. They're not trading Ingram. They're not trading Valanciunas. Uh, Graham Graham's the one here that they're going to want to get off. It's Devonte Graham. A it's year how, into that contract, good right. good good job, David Griffin. Yes. Um, the question with Devonte Graham is that if you are the Pelicans, is it is it better to find a team with cap space? That might be interested. Maybe it's a two-team deal. Maybe it's a three-team deal. You can create a traded player exception that you just probably don't really use or don't use all of it if you're New Orleans because it's a cost-cutting move. Like That is the type of... Or like maybe it's Garrett Temple. Or maybe it's the sort of thing where it's like Devontae Graham and Garrett Temple for like a couple players on the Knicks that actually have value or one player on the Knicks. Like the Knicks. Like I don't really see Evan Fournier being a great fit there, but like... Maybe it's a three-team deal where you do that some sort of thing. Like that's how you get from eleven to eight, taking not good salary and trading better salary. But obviously, the better salary is debatable amongst fans, um, and then moving it in some way so you then capitalize. And the real gem here is going to eleventh or going from eleventh to eighth. The the last thing I'll point out before I turn it over to you is that the Pelicans last year did ten. And um, Bledsoe and Stephen Adams for 18 and Valanciunas. It was really more of a four-team deal, but yeah. in terms of like the crux of what went in and out there was a cost-saving move for them. But they also found talent they needed with um, Trey Murphy the third. Um, Graham is. I mean, Graham's numbers have not been good for two years now. Um, he's also very small and is making uh is owed is, that's all guaranteed right the last three years yeah. on the deal I believe so yeah um he didn't really get off the the old pine in the playoffs uh and that that it, that's not great for your 36 million dollar investment moving forward He's not a he's not a Tibbs guy in any way, shape, or form. If you thought if you thought Kemba Walker wasn't a Tibbs guy, Devontae Graham's really not a Tibbs guy. Um, yeah, I I mean, you know, that said, if it like if the Pelicans are like, yeah, we'll take Burks and uh, I, I don't know, Burks and the what's the second round pick, the 30, 42nd pick in the draft. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Burks and Burks eleven and forty two for eight, like and Graham, like the Knicks would have to do that. I, I, again, I don't think that trade's happening, but the, the Knicks would have to do that. Yeah. Maybe. But if you're the Pelicans, again, is it 
is it actually cheaper to try to dump his salary into like, I don't know. Not sure. Unless um, again, the Pelicans may be in a situation where they like just do not feel passionately about anybody at eight or the person that they feel passionately about is someone who they know is not going to get taken before 11. So, yes. you know, which is similar again, the re- the trade you just referenced with the Cam Johnson, Dario Sarge, Jared Culver thing. Mm-hmm. All right. Number nine, the San Antonio Spurs. It's not I'd like to be the Spurs right now. I like the spot that they're sitting in. Like, I, 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 I'll be honest. They, it, they punted on this year and yet didn't because the play-in was uh, so low. The bar was so low for them. They, they tried to tank and they, the Lakers were like, yep. no. Mm-hmm. Pushed them up into that. You know, And also, I think the, uh, the Spurs just didn't want the Grizzlies to get another really good pick. So instead they're like, we can live with the Pelicans making it, but the Grizzlies, no, 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 we don't, we don't want that because now obviously the Lakers pick went to the Grizzlies instead of the, it went to the Pelicans instead of the Grizzlies as it was top one to 10 protected. Um, and the other 11 to 30 would have gone to Memphis. Anyways, DeJounte Murray is not going anywhere, at least not with the Knicks. We can cross that off. It's like, okay, are we talking Doug McDermott? Are they like the Spurs have so much cap space that they don't really need to worry about it too much? So, yeah, it's not like don't. there's a cost cutting thing here. Again, they strike me as a team that is more inclined to move up for someone like Dyson Daniels than they are about moving back. And also, like, they've got three first round picks. If they're, if you're trading, what, let's say nine for 11 and a future first, like, yeah, I'm, I, maybe they're interested in that. And by future first, I mean, maybe it is the Mavs pick. Um, this is the, the gap from nine to 11 isn't substantial enough where, you know, now we're talking about moving up costs something obviously, but it doesn't cost a ton, right? Like I believe the pick even from 12 to 13, that was or 11, to 12 with miles bridges and Shea Gilgis Alexander, when they swapped, it was like a couple seconds. This so to me, this is the maps. This is the maps pick. Yeah, if, this if is, the yeah, if yeah. the Knicks are trading up two spots because they're like we, you know what this is, Dyson has slipped somehow. We think Washington will take him, and it's and, worth it. And the Spurs don't want him. Yes, and the Spurs don't want him, and it is it is worth it for us to give up what we what our internal analytics say will probably be the twenty eighth pick in next year's draft. And if you're the Spurs, you're like, okay, well, we don't want Dyson Daniels. We know that's who the Knicks are trading up to get. And they know that whoever Washington is taking is not the guy that they want. Um, also, DeJounte Murray, um, nine and like 20, I, I guess, and 25 for four would be great if DeJounte Murray and uh, De'Aaron Fox didn't completely and totally overlap. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 10, the Washington Wizards. Can I just, before you go to the Wizards? Mm-hmm. You know, it would be a great throwback. What's that? You started your draft review back in in, in 2001. I, I wish we could go back to 1998. The good old days when you could be the Golden State Warriors sit at number five and trade your pick, Vince Carter, up to Toronto, who had four and took Antoine Jameson. And you know what they included with Vince Carter to make that trade? What's that? Good old... Cash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good old spending cash. Money makes the world go round. Yep. <laughs> Four for five and cash. Anyway, I just had to throw that in there. Yeah. So we're now in that point 
yeah. 11 to 10. Um, is, is, uh, who's the owner? Ted, uh, Ted Leosis. Uh, yes. Leon. Is he strapped for, is he strapped for money these days? Uh, I think he actually wants to buy the nationals. So I think, so I guess money not could be good, but yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, shaving payroll might actually help, which is kind of an interesting thing with Bradley Beal and his player option. But yeah, like if you're the Knicks, are you taking salary? Like, are you taking a worse player? Because when you look at what they have as a roster, like if we're crossing off Beal, then we're talking about Porzingis's massive contract. And at what point do you really want to do like taking on two years and $70 million just about for Porzingis to move up one slot. Um, not, I do not. No, I don't like they're, they're They don't have players on large contracts who are considered um, like albatrosses in that sense. And a lot of young guys too. So, you know, like, are we talking Daniel Gafford because suddenly they're worried about how much money he's going to make in 2023. Maybe, but I don't think that's enough to like, I don't think they're going to treat him as a non-asset to get off that money. I think they're comfortable with it, especially given Porzingis's injury history. It's the, the sort of thing where like, I don't, it, it could obviously happen a hundred percent, but it, we're really talking about like moving up with a couple seconds. Four, four words, Jeremy, Vernon carry salary dump. If you could call it a salary dump, then sure. But. Yeah, they make $1.7 million next year. No, I, I mean, the, these teams are not going to trade with each other. That's... If they did, it would be talking about a team that's rebuilding that doesn't have a point guard. You're talking about like the Wizards trading 10 and carry for 11 and deuce and next year's Detroit pick. Uh, sure. Like, but like, right. like, yeah, at what point do you just kind of stay at 11 and unless there's an absolute guy who's falling into the lap of the wizards, you love that player. You're like, you're not worried. They're going to take him because you know that they probably wouldn't, but maybe they do. So you throw some assets their way to get them to think otherwise. Other, It just doesn't seem to compute. I always wonder how the bluffing gets done. Unlike not that there's that many trades of like down one pick in the first round, second round, I guess it happens a, a, a little bit more, but like in any case, yeah, that, that, that trade's not happening. Yeah. So we've talked about the 10 teams ahead of the Knicks. Now I want to talk about three teams that are behind the Knicks, specifically still in the lottery. It's the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Charlotte Hornets, and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, I want to go back though to, well, actually, I didn't include the, did I include the Thunder? Was I smart here? I was. I did it. Yes. Well done, uh, sir. Obviously, didn't include number two in the top, but. For 12 and 30, if you are the Knicks and you know that the Thunder are just really hungry for Usman Jang, is there a way you can then leverage that? Right? Like, can you threaten to take Jang and then say to the Thunder, hey, uh, or whoever, by the way, or, right, it could yeah. be another player. But like, this is now where the Knicks are in the driver's seat, whereas before they were not. Now it's what can we get out of this? And the Thunder in a unique position, as we saw last year, when they really, really wanted Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Starter, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Um, and uh, they were willing to trade 34 and 36 to move up to 32, and they, and they took them. Right. So, and if you look at this, I mean, they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. 12 guys that are like more than likely going to be in the rotation. And they've got the second pick, the 12th pick, the 30th pick, 
they're yeah, an they're, interesting they're, case. they're jammed with rotate. I mean, yes. with all the picks that they have, um, they need, they kind of do need to do something. They do. So here's why the thunder is so fascinating. It's because if you are the Knicks and you feel like you can leverage them in some way, is it worth it to Oklahoma city to go from 12 to 11 and maybe they're taking on expiring money, right? Like are the Knicks trying to clear cap space for someone like Jalen Brunson? Uh, if they are, is that the cost of moving down one? Even if it's like one contract, right? Let's say it's moving Nerlens Noel, for example. Is that worth it to the Knicks to move down one slot, clear a little bit more money, shave a little bit off of the uh, the pick because the 11th pick is going to make more than the 12th pick? That's interesting. It's It's a thought for sure. I mean, but then it's like, okay, what happens if you don't get someone who's like, you know, what if you don't get Jalen Brunson and now you've dumped salary for what reason? And you've traded down to the 12th pick for why exactly? So if you're the Knicks, you probably want to have that wink, wink, nudge, nudge tampering, but we didn't. Tamper. I, I, I was about to say, right? Like if you're, if the Knicks do clear salary, my assumption on draft night, my assumption is that something's going down with a player like Brunson doesn't even have to be him, but like I, an unrestricted free agent. Um, I gotta tell that you is though, still officially tampering, but whatever. Yes. So, oh, man, because if the Knicks did this, the Thunder, the Thunder would probably. Here's my would be my theory. The Thunder, this trade would occur if the Knicks had sufficiently postured that they were trading this pick to someone one way or another. And the Thunder were fearful that whoever they traded, whoever the Knicks wound up trading it with, if it were not them, would be a team moving up specifically to, to grab the guy that they want. I, I cannot sit here and tell you who that player is likely to be, but just for argument's sake, that is the only way that I could see the Thunder willingly taking on um, a salary, the caliber of like <laughs> Kemba Walker, which would just, again, the high comedy yeah, words, words would not be able to express, um, but taking on like a Kemba Walker or a Nolan's Noel, um, those would be the two, right. That you would, that you would figure. Yeah. And that's why the smart play here, if you're the Knicks and you are dealing with the thunder and it's involving the 11th pick and the 12th pick, it's not to, get salary off your books. It's for a future asset. Um, the Thunder have plenty. Which, of the, which the Thunder have quite, uh, yes. quite a few of. That's the play. It, otherwise, if you treat the asset like a vehicle to get salary off your books, it's just, it's bad. It's bad management. I know that you I could mean, then go ahead signing a player. Look, look, if it happened, could I find myself spin zoning in a way like, well, look, they had to get this done. But Sure, I could do it. But it's like... If you're focusing on a future, then you're going to want to do a future asset. So what So what about you're not doing it for 12? You're just trading out. You're trading 11 with Kemba and you're, and you're getting back. I, again, they have so many goddamn picks. I don't even know what... I, I have to think probably some of those distant Clipper ones are maybe the most valuable in there in their coffers. Maybe I'm forgetting something, but like hold that thought. Okay. 
we'll get to something similar. Hold that thought. I'll hold it. 13 and 15 out of the lottery, but in our hearts, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> and here is where things then get pretty interesting as well. Because if you are the Knicks, right, we've talked about how they have so many players under the age of 24 or 24 and younger. And they don't like the idea of adding another young player and finding minutes. It can be a challenge, but that's why you deal the players that are veterans and try to extract value in that way. Adding a second player to the situation. No bueno. It gets a little cluttered, but then, you know, how can you go about this? Right? Like let's say the Knicks did 11 for 13 and 15, hypothetically. Objectively, that would be great value for the Knicks. Yes, but let's say they did it and then they take a player at 13 that they like and then they trade down from 15. 15, yeah. And then let's say they do it again. Like there are other teams that are consolidating. It sounds hilariously crazy. And yes, I would point to last year where we all thought that we were taking crazy pills because of how they're picking 19th. No, they're not picking 19th. Okay. They're picking 21st. No, they're, they're actually picking 25th. Um, Oh, okay. Well, they're going to pick 32nd. No, no, no. They're 34th and 36th. They fly around the board. Like again, they, they manage it like it's 2k and I love it. It's hilarious. So, or, or just really quickly, alternatively, if they they don't make the pick at 13, they keep 15 and make the pick at 15. And then at 13, which is the pick that would probably have more value because, again, you're looking at the way this draft is probably going to shake out. Let's say Johnny Davis is sitting there at 13 and some team is looking at him and being like, man, this guy could be, he could be our sixth man for the next 10 years. Like, And they're willing to give up a real thing to get to, get to 13, something like that. Yeah. You know, the Hornets could do the exact same thing. Right. But I kind of want to marry two ideas here. Right. Like I've talked about the whole thing of like, if you have Gordon Hayward and why I am a fan of the contract and the player and how you go about that. What if it's something like uh, Hayward 13 and 15 for uh, Fournier, uh, Noel Walker and 11. Right. Like, is that the type of play that interests the Hornets at all? Because you're basically taking one trade. That's with too I, much money, isn't it? No, that works. Fournier, Noel, and Kemba? Mm-hmm. That math does work. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Of course, the thing with the Hornets is they're taking more now to have less money yes, next okay. year. So, like, And they're getting Fournier. Right. Nice little play. There's value going there. So it's, it's the type of thought process, right, of how you try to build the leverage. Will it happen? I'm I'm skeptical. You know, for a lot of these, I'm skeptical. The easiest thing is probably to stay put, but we'll just explore them because they've tried to move up and they've tried to move down and they've done each of those things. Um, but other than that, there's not a whole lot going on for the Hornets that really interests me much. No. That, that they're also willing to do. Like, you can talk about book night. Okay. Again, like, so it's, is it 13 in book night? Because it's not 11 for book just, night. Again, ask yourself if you're the biggest fan of James Booknight. Do you see the Knicks taking on a player who could not get on the court for a Hornets team that, you know, kind of had the same priorities as the Knicks last year. And until further notice, same priorities as the Knicks are going to have this year. I I would, I would be surprised. Yeah. Borrego did not do a great job of incorporating the younger guys and Mitch Kupchak 
said that, but also he said recently how he doesn't expect to use 13 and 15 on players, which is kind of fascinating. That's why yeah, he actually came out and said, yeah, no, he, he basically said of the sort. So they're yeah. a team to keep tabs on hundred percent. Let's look at uh, then the Cavs. I don't really know what's I, going on here. Other I don't than see like, it. It's basically 11 for 14 and a protected future first. Um, other than that, I don't, you know, they're not going to do Kevin Love. They just acquired Karis Levert. I'm sure they would probably extend him if they could. They're going to keep Colin Sexton. There's just not a whole lot. That's, you know, you could say, oh, well, what if they buy low on a Coro? No. I don't think it's, yeah. I don't yeah. see it. 